Rev it up and welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 1,900, 1,900 shows. Wow. Be prepared to be inspired. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Hello, inspiring automotive enthusiasts, and welcome to Cars Yeah! Today I'm in Gloucester, Massachusetts, with a very special guest by the name of Albert Viator. Albert, welcome to Cars Yeah! Do you have it in gear, and are you ready to release the clutch? Yes, I am ready. Thank you for the welcome. I'm happy to be here. All across the country. Absolutely. We'll have some fun. Now, before I give you a proper introduction and we talk about a very cool book you've written, your history around cars and programming and shooting and filming, what's one little thing that maybe most people don't know about you, Albert? Well, I'd have to say the the fact that I'm a Vietnam veteran. When I got back, it wasn't uh, the type of environment for being welcomed home sort of thing. So a lot of us uh, just kind of like slipped back into the country and tried to slip back into our our normal lives. Uh, I never received the, you know, spitting on the GI type thing that some guys uh, suffered, but uh, it was just something that it, uh, I did at the time and wanted to just kind of put behind me. I, I never joined any veterans groups or, or, or participated in parades and that sort of thing. It, you know, I wasn't opposed to it. It just didn't strike me so that I'd have to say nobody really knows. Uh, some neighbors recently saw my name on Amazon where the book is uh, available and uh, bought a copy and read it and were just you know, blown away that they'd known for 40 years and never knew that. Wow. You know, it's really sad and it was a challenging challenging time in our history that still so many people have to live through in our pre-show chat i told albert my father-in-law served three tours over in vietnam and uh was a marine and i want to thank you for your service in the army and we're going to learn a little bit more about what you did over there but it really is a, a tragedy in so many ways that we could talk for hours and hours about but again i want to thank you for your service and uh, for making it back, and now for writing this book, which is very, very interesting about your time that you spent there. So let me give you a proper introduction, and we'll kind of dive into this. And then since this is Cars Yell, we'll kind of wrap it around your passion for cars, because I know you have an old MG. So here we go. Albert Viator earned a degree in film and TV production and began his career shooting and producing film and TV programming. He spent seven years heading a local TV programming effort, and growing the cable TV industry before striking out on his own as a freelance cameraman and producer, a career he enjoyed for over 35 years. He traveled the world shooting and producing news and documentary programming for CNN, the National Geographic Channel, PBS, and other networks, and his love for sports cars and motorsports led him to spend a great deal of his career living out the life of a bona fide car guy. Whether jumping over the pit wall at the 12 hours of Hebring shooting interviews with Jay Leno, Dan Gurney, and Carol Shelby, or shooting the 50th anniversary of the Pebble Beach Concorde Elegance, Albert has enjoyed sharing the National Car Guy phenomenon with millions of TV viewers. His recent book titled An Accidental PSY Warrior talks about his time in Vietnam touring with the Army Infantry during the war. We'll be back in just a minute, but first a word from our sponsor, so keep the seatbelts on. We'll be right back. 
Covercraft makes quality protection for the inside of your vehicles while you're traveling. Their plush custom fit mats or Berber mats turn any ride into something special and are easy to remove and clean after days on the road. Covercraft floor mats are the ultimate protection from moisture, dirt, mud, snow, and slush. Just about anything you can throw at them. Don't forget your vehicle's trunk area too. Their Carhartt custom cargo liners not only look great, but they keep your rear cargo areas and seats protected from the sun and those accidental spills. Custom fit truck liners for sedans, coupes, and SUVs are perfect to protect the factory carpet from all those things that can stain and damage the floors. All your options are quality made, easy to clean, secure to the floor, and look oh so good. Check out Covercraft.com for a wide variety of styles, colors, and options for a custom fit. And I've got a special offer for you. If you use the code YAH21, that's Y-E-A-H-2-1, at Covercraft.com, they'll give you 10% off your Covercraft order. That's right, 10% off. Simply use the code YAH21 at checkout. Covercraft, protecting the things that move you. I was talking with a buddy of mine the other day and he asked me about American Collectors Insurance. He said, while I listen to you on Cars Yeah, you're always talking about agreed value collector car insurance. Well, I insure all my cars on my regular auto insurance policy and I've done it for years. Why use a different company for my collector cars? I get a multi-car discount. Isn't that good enough? I suggested he call his carrier and ask how much he would get if his collector car was totaled are stolen. He called back and said, boy, that was a scary conversation. Their value of my car wasn't even close to what it's really worth. Thank you for the education, Mark. So don't just hope for a fair claim settlement. Be certain and know exactly what you receive with an agreed value policy. American Collectors Insurance has been protecting enthusiasts since 1976. Give them a call today for your personal agreed value quote at 866-ACI-YEAH. That's 866 866- 224-9324. Tell them you're a friend of Mark Green's at Cars Yeah. American Collectors Insurance, classic car insurance, designed by collectors for collectors, automotive enthusiasts just like you and me. They're the ones that insure my car. That's American Collectors Insurance. So Albert, we're back. Let's kind of go back in time a little bit. Because this book is about what you call the accidental PSY warrior, and we're going to talk about your book in depth. Uh, Let's kind of go back in time to how you found yourself in that role in the Army, because my understanding was that they kind of detoured you a little bit, and you ended up doing some things that you had no idea you were going to be doing, right? Yes, no, that that is right, Mark. Uh, the the name of the book, an accidental, and that abbreviation PSY, that is for Psy Warrior, which uh, you, you might not recognize it, but it's short for a military jargon, psyops, which is psychological operations. So the book title, an accidental Psy Warrior, I hoped caught that name that uh, I did accidentally wind up there. Through a kind of uh, catch-22 sort of thing where I had graduated uh, in a radio and TV production school in Boston, 1967, visited my draft board to, uh, you know, uh, turn in my 2S student deferment card, so to speak, and noticed all of my friends' names on the uh, hit list for being drafted. Unlike today, where we have a volunteer military, a lot of people will remember that people were just drafted right out of their lives and put into life-threatening military service. So I uh, 
took them up on an option where if you volunteered and gave an extra year of your life, you would be guaranteed, in quotes, uh, a certain type of training and a certain type of posting or assignment in your military service. So I took them up on it. I opted for military training in journalism and broadcasting and went to another almost six or seven months of schooling on that, came out with an Army MOS, Military Occupational Specialty, that stood for, of a uh, broadcast specialist, journalism and broadcast specialist. Here's here's where the catch-22 comes in. Uh, In times of war, uh, the Army could then uh, make little changes to their commitment. Uh, And it turned out that instead of broadcasting news and so forth, like my fellow class graduates that were working at Armed Forces Vietnam Network and Stars and Stripes newspaper, I wound up, quote, broadcasting propaganda uh, from a speaker pack, 35-pound speaker pack that I wore on my back and uh, with an interpreter next to me and in firefights and that sort of thing, it was my job not was used to say, we're not supposed to shoot the enemy, we're supposed to talk to them. So that's what I would do, uh, try and convince them they were either outnumbered, outgunned, surrounded, that sort of thing. Wow. The other half of my job was throwing leaflets out of, out of uh, uh, helicopters, primarily. That isn't quite what you signed up for, is it? No, not quite. But again, it was that sneaky little catch-22 that uh, allowed them. I was a broadcast specialist, after all, and I was broadcasting. uh, So I had no, uh, I was a 21-year-old kid. So again, what was I going to do? General Westmoreland on the phone and make my argument? Well, exactly. Oh, my gosh, this is fascinating. How many, I mean, I don't even know where to begin to start asking questions here. I mean, how many times did you find yourself in those positions and kind of think to yourself, how did I get here? This isn't what I thought it was going to be, and I hope I get home alive. Yeah, yeah. well, there's uh, 365 days or 366 days is the average Army tour. So that would, if I averaged one to two times a day that I thought that, you can do the math. Uh, It was ever-present type of thing. You, you, You kind of put it behind you. And and uh, you were confronted with a task in front of you, and and you were there with everyone else who was in a similar boat. So you did it. You did what duty was. And, yeah, uh, absolutely. Psyops. Now, very interesting. You think about warfare and all the different ways that warfare is fought. But we always have heard about this type of thing. And But typically, it's from the other side. You, you see movies mm-hmm. about World War II and mm-hmm. the Germans broadcasting to American soldiers or other people from other countries that, you know, you should give up, we're going to beat you, all this kind of thing. You hear the same thing about the Vietnam War. But you don't hear a lot about the U.S. doing that on the other side. Yes, uh, and one of the most famous ones that we grew up watching or seeing in movies, Saturday matinees, was Tokyo Rose. Yes. He was an American citizen, I believe, uh, who obviously had family there and whatnot and was, you know, put in that position of propaganda. But um, we we had uh, a series, the, the American PSYOPs effort, and I'm no expert on the whole thing. After all, I was not trained. That's why I was an accidental PSY warrior. But we had ongoing 
task, such as uh, you know you're on the wrong side of history, um, you're outnumbered, you're surrounded, you're outgunned. We know you're living in miserable conditions, and if you surrender now, and we had a thing called the Chu Hoi program that people may be familiar with, it meant open arms in Vietnamese. We had uh, passes that we would drop. Uh, called Chu Hoi Passes, which meant open arms in Vietnamese. And we would offer to bring them in uh, safely, and they'd be reunited with their family, and they'd get health care, and they'd be fed, and that type of a thing. So we had ongoing specific psyops messages like that, as well as specific things. If we got a uh, uh, a captured soldier who might tell us his name, who would tell us his name, we would call out Say this is Nguyen Van so and so, and and he's asking his fellow soldiers to give up. He's being treated well, and so on. Psyops worked on a couple of different levels. Yeah, very interesting. Well, folding this into automobiles, and you've put some parts in the book about this. You recount combat, but you also lighten the story a bit. One of them I found fascinating is uh, how you met reigning Formula One champion Graham Hill while on R and R in Australia. You spent time riding around Saigon in an old MGTD and, you know, as you were carrying your M16 and all your gear. So let's talk about some of the automotive side of this book and how you folded it into the story. Sure. Well, everyone knows about uh, or has heard the term R&R. I went to Sydney, Australia on R&R in 1968. Graham Hill had just... uh, won the uh, World F1 Championship at Mexico City just prior to when we hooked up and in Australia. And I had a copy of Road and Track, sports car magazine that a buddy of mine from the States used to send me uh, while I was in Nam. And um, I took it with me just figuring, who knows, long plane ride and all that sort of thing, I'll have it. So when I got down there, I hooked up with um, a a gentleman who was the editor of the Australian Motorsports magazine who had offered to host American GIs when they were on R&R and just to give them a time of interest, uh, a time away from the war that they would find interesting. And uh, so he spent a day with me. I spent a day with him touring uh, with... uh, talking with other teams, that sort of thing, F1 teams, because the Tasman series, which uh, ran down there in the off F1 season, would sleeve down Formula One engines. And Graham was down there for the Tasman series. So the editor of the car magazine suggested I call him up and see if he'd sign an autograph uh, on uh, on my road and track, because they had a big uh, full-page color photograph about the... um, about him winning the championship. Yeah. So I went, to, I went to the hotel house phone, called Mr. Hill's room, please, and he picked it up. Oh, my gosh. Wow. Just like that. He yeah. said, well, I've got a dinner, uh, a luncheon engagement, rather, and uh, but you're welcome to come up for a while, and I'd like to check out the magazine article. Oh, how exciting. So he did. I still have it here. Uh, uh, have Graham Hill, Best of Wishes, Sydney, 1968. Oh, my gosh. Well, you know, everybody who knew Graham Hill said he was just such a gentleman and such a nice guy. And your story there is just another example of that. I mean, imagine this. You're, you're a fe- I mean, 
I don't know any F1 racer that would do that today, honestly. <laughs> Maybe a few, but the fact that he said, yeah, come on up to the room and yeah, we'll, you know, we'll talk a little bit before I go out. Absolutely wonderful. Was he, in your impression, your memory of him, uh, generally, just what everybody has said about him, a, a real gentleman? Absolutely, Mark. Completely positive, a great gentleman. Uh, he, had, you know, I said, "Well, I'm into sports cars and all." He said, well, "What do you have?" And I said, "Well, I had, I had a bug eye Sprite at the time." Mm-hmm. And he goes, "Oh, wow, it's a great car. I use that." And he talked about you know running at the various tracks when he was first beginning his career, running in small bore sports cars and that sort of thing. And told me to be careful up there and uh, that sort of thing. So uh, it, it was a great chat, and wow. it. Uh, it was a great, uh, a great visit. And uh, like I said, I, I've always wanted, if I had occasion to meet his son, Damon, in fact, I have a model on my uh, desk here uh, of Damon's uh, Renault uh, Cannon Williams Honda that, uh, that Damon got the world championship in. And uh, if I ever ran into Damon, I was going to tell him that story. And I'm sure he would have appreciated it. Well, absolutely. Now, in one of your chapters, How I Spent My Combat Pay, you talk about actually driving around Saigon in an old 53 MGTD carrying your M16 and dressed in full battle gear. That almost seems surreal. I mean, that must have been kind of bizarre. Well, it was. That's actually, there's two stories. I will give you, in the interest of time, the brief version of each. In my role as a PSYOPs guy, I had to go into Saigon and pick up films in Vietnamese language every so often. And one of my stops along that would be uh, the uh, USO, where I'd go in and have a cheeseburger and a great big vanilla shake and french fries. And then I'd go out, eat it, and sit on the curb. But one day I sat, was sitting on the curb uh, looking at a faded red MGTD. And I, I hear over my shoulder, fancy a ride then, mate. And I won't pretend to mix my New England accent up with an Australian accent. <laughs> but I jumped to my feet and said, oh, gee, I was just uh, looking at your car. And he said, yeah, I know. That's my office up there. And I came back from lunch and noticed you're sitting there. It's now five o'clock. You've been sitting here for over four hours just on this curb looking at my MG. I said, wow, I was totally lost in time. I said, well, I'm a car guy, and I have, a, I think, a Spitfire I was running at the time back in the U.S. Mm-hmm. And he said, well, like I said, fancy a ride then. I said, you bet. So I climbed in with my muddy combat boots and, uh, and my M16 and uh, all my combat gear because you didn't check out and dress to go into the city when you were in a war zone. You just came as you were. And uh, so I drove, I got to ride around and we talked and then he drove back and, and dropped me off. And so that's how I got to ride. Uh, as I say in my book, probably the first, maybe even the only guy to ride in a faded MGTD <laughs> around Saigon, full battle garb. Wow. That is cool. The, the second half of that, if, if you'd like, yes. uh, is how I spent my combat pay. All GIs, I think in all wars, have probably made this promise to themselves. If I live through this, and I'll clean up the language, if I live through this blanking war, the first thing I'm going to do when I get home is, and then fill in the blanks. Right. Some guys would say, I'm going to marry my sweetheart and run away to the mountains for two months. I'm going to get the biggest stake in the world. Anyway, so mine was, if I live through this blanking war, I'm going to buy myself 
a sports car on the very first day I get home. <laughs> so it took me till the second day to actually make good on that promise. But uh, I went over to a car dealership that I'd visited before I joined the Army. It was raining cats and dogs outside. And I waited until the salesman opened the, the door. And there in a single showroom was one car. It was a uh, Isis Blue, Iris Blue, rather, uh, MGA 1600. So I said, let listen to him talk, so forth. And I said, well, I'd like to, uh, can we take it for a ride? And he looked out the window at the <laughs> He said, yeah, when do you want to schedule it? And as I say in my book, I replied in my strongest combat uh, uh, leadership type voice, ranking voice that I'd learned in Vietnam. Uh, I said, I didn't ask when we could schedule a ride. I said, when can we take a ride? So <laughs> pouring rain, MG, I know you talked about riding and being somewhat familiar with British sports cars. The windshield wipers were just flip-flopping back and forth. Yep. And, uh, it was pouring rain, and he got himself down. He was a big, tall guy, and he got in the passenger seat. And I end the, sto end the story in the book with saying, well, you know, maybe he was a car guy after all. And, uh, uh, you know, he realized that I could handle the car even in the wet and so forth. But then maybe he was just saying to himself, if I ever live through this blanking thing, I'm, <laughs> yeah. and you can fill in the blanks. So, you know, it's fun telling that story, Mark. I, I hope I don't go on too long. But no, thank it's you. Gr it's great. You know, I love it. I got a big smile on my face here. I think it's wonderful. And uh, I'll tell you, the first sports car I ever rode in, I was less than a year old. Was an MG8. A friend of my mm -hmm. dad's had one, and my mom jumped in and put me in her lap. And today, she'd probably be arrested for child endangerment. And we went for a ride with the top down. And uh, so that was the first. In fact, I'll send you a picture of that. I have a picture of that of me sitting in my mom's lap in that MGA. Uh, it was white. It wasn't a beautiful blue like yours. Now, I always like to ask my guests about driving inspirations, key mentors, influential people in their lives. Is there somebody like that for you that you hold very near and dear to your heart? Yes, uh, I hold her near and dear to my heart for all of the usual reasons that we hold our spouses mm -hmm. near and dear to our heart. But beyond that, I really have to say that uh, my wife, Lucinda, 48 years, when I was driving that MGA when we met, and uh, we rode in the snow with the top down and everything else, and so I knew right off that uh, this this uh, was a keeper. Um, but... Um, uh, she's always been very helpful to me, uh, very understanding of my Vietnam experience and, and some things I went through in years later, but very helpful throughout my career. Nice. Came time to leave that corporate job with, that you referenced uh, in uh, cable television, I'll become a freelancer, you know, jump off the corporate cliff into the world on your own is a big issue. But I very supportive of that. Said, let's go for it. We'll make it work. And then helping out with uh, the work and doing the bookkeeping and some of the paperwork when I was uh, first having to, you know, build things on my own and all that kind of stuff. So I, I'd have to say that uh, inspirational and, and, and a mentor, that type of thing, definitely goes goes to my wife. Oh, that's wonderful. You know, the day we're recording this show is September 8th, and it's uh, my wife Jill and my 37th wedding anniversary. So I know the importance of having a uh, very supportive uh, spouse and partner next to you to help you along the way. So congratulations. Congratulations on your occasion. Yeah, thank you. Let's take a short break. We come back. I want to talk a little bit about a challenge. No doubt you've met up with a few of those. So keep that thought in mind. We'll be right back. 
Cars yeah is proud to support our veterans, which is why I've teamed up with our nonprofit partner, TechForce Foundation, through its Veterans at Work Military Transition Campaign. The tech shortage is very real, and our country needs skilled, qualified techs to keep our cars, trucks, airplanes, and fleets rolling. When so many vets build their skills in maintaining and servicing vehicles when deployed, TechForce helps transition those skills to jobs as professional technicians when they come home. Learn more about TechForce Foundation and its Veterans at Work Military Transition Fund at techforce.org today. I've discovered Linkage. It's a new quarterly publication and website that covers the automotive market, driving, restoring, collecting, and discovering your passion for motor vehicles. Linkage is about experiences, opinions, and values. Linkage is an actual, informed, reasoned opinion based on first-hand experiences. A talented Linkage team covers the automotive world, the people who share your passion and mine, smart, considered, rational, and experienced opinions, ones you can learn from and grow. That includes our passion that drives auctions and the collector car market. So come with me and join us on this journey. And be sure to use the code CARSYEAH when you subscribe and they'll give you $10 off. Boom! Linkage, geared for the automotive life. Subscribe today at LinkageMag.com. So let's talk about this. A big obstacle, big challenge, big failure. Could relate back to the book uh, experience you had in Vietnam, whatever it might be. But more importantly, what was that lesson learned so that you could come out in a positive way on the other side? I'd have to say the biggest thing when it's your life is on the line, uh, that that, um, jumping in as a 21-year-old into the war. Uh, was the big, biggest single challenge of my life. Uh, I was trained. Uh, I was comfortable in the sense that you, you know you know that you can rely on the guy next to you, and you know that he knows he can rely on you. So I didn't feel like I, I was alone. But uh, you know, it's it's quite intimidating when you're when you're there and jets are flying overhead and. Armored personnel carriers are cranking by, and uh, and uh, you know guys are dying, uh, and and it's it's I don't mind at all saying it's really scary. You fall back on your training, and you fall back on your on your buddies, but uh, as far as being out there and the biggest single challenge of your life, I don't think there's many veterans that will. Uh, disagree with that they may certainly have other challenges that they felt affected them uh, more strongly but uh, i'd have to say that would be it mark well no doubt Uh, writing this book did that help you with any challenges that maybe even still are with you today i mean there was some good in that experience too i i've got to think and you've shared some of that and your book shares some of that but was the book a way to help maybe heal a few things for you Excellent question. Uh, thank you for asking. Yes, absolutely. One of my buddies, you know, I, I have a once a week gang where we get together and have coffee uh, and uh, we all have old British sports cars and uh, we help each other a lot and that sort of thing. And one of them just happened to say on December 7th last year, hey, I don't know if any of you noticed, but today is uh, December 7th. We might want to take a moment to reflect on that. And that's all he said in a brief, whatever, 10-word email to each of us. I sat down and I started to write 
what I thought, and I say this in the introduction to my book, I sat down to write what I thought was a one-off response. Uh, and I, uh, to just give you a flavor of that chapter, it was like, well, as a matter of fact, I always think of December 7th and what it meant both to our country, our veterans and so forth. And, and my own experiences, well, I had an interesting experience in Tokyo in 1968. And I tell about that. And um, uh, that started, I thought it was going to be a paragraph or two. It turned out to be what is now chapter 12. In oh my, my gosh. Book. Wow. It was like uh, my 12 day, seven day leave to Japan. And when the lights went out in Massachusetts, and I, I won't tip the what, what all that means, if anyone's interested, and later we'll talk about where the book's available. But uh, yeah. it started as a one-off response, and then I just kept writing, and I kept writing. I wrote right through Christmas, or wrote right through New Year's, and I'd get up in the middle of the night and jot down thoughts so I wouldn't forget things in the morning, and then I started getting up when I had those thoughts in the middle of the night, sitting at my computer and writing until I'd got that out. And yes, it was a very uh, interesting project. It was a challenging project, but uh, as you inferred, it was a cathartic project. I, uh, I'm honestly, if you know veterans, you know how this creeps up on you once in a while. I, I don't apologize for that. It's just true. It creeps up on at this very moment. Writing is a wonderful thing, and something that my parents taught me and my kids did is, is keeping journals. And just writing your thoughts down. And my son was just here visiting us. Uh, we just had our first grandchild, and he was here to visit his uh, nephew. And um, he was going through his room because his room was still as he left it when he went off to college and he never came back. And I said, you know, we're going to kind of try to turn your room into a guest room here, and maybe you can go through some things. And he found all these old journals, and he was sitting there looking through them and getting very kind of nostalgic and everything. But he said, you know, these were great for me during some times when I was having challenges. Of course, nothing like war, but challenges that young people have in junior high and high school and trying to find their way and so forth. It's a really good thing for people to do. Even if you don't call yourself a writer, uh, it's a really good thing to do. And uh, I'm so happy that that simple email to ask about reflecting on such an important day in the history of the world and the United States, uh, and even Japan, really, that led to a wonderful story that you got to share. So uh, you never know where those uh, nudges will come from, right? No, that's uh, absolutely true. Absolutely true. You know, I love it. Now, you meet uh, at a place called Zeke's Place uh, every week for breakfast with a bunch of car guys. Rick Neville, who's a friend of ours, mutual friend of ours, who introduced me to you, uh, said, hey, you got to talk to uh, Albert because he's got a great book, but he's also a car guy. Um, let's talk about a special car. Maybe we already have, but I asked all my guests to share a very special car in their life uh, that has a meaning for you. I'm guessing it might start with MG. Yes, you know, you're absolutely right. And when I was mulling over which one it would be, like, you know, the my TR3 that I drove solo at 17 to Canada, would it be this one that I did that with? But the MGA that I bought with my combat pay really is the most significant one. And uh, I, I, in a nutshell, I put a, uh, a bumper sticker on the back that while I was still in the service, that said war is unhealthy to children and other living things. Ah, yes. People may remember that popular yep. sticker from the era. And I put that on the back of my MGA. So if driving a sports car raised the eyebrows of the 
powers that be on a military establishment that maybe that was strike one. Having a Massachusetts license plate in Georgia is probably <laughs> strike two. Yeah. And having that war is unhealthy to children and other living things uh, on a bumper sticker on your uh, displayed on your rear bumper uh, was probably strike three. But I, I drove that car down to Georgia and pretty much all over the eastern half of the country and, and came back with it after the army and uh, and had it when I met my wife and, and so forth, as I mentioned before. So that MGA uh, is probably the most significant car uh, in my life. Yeah, no doubt. And that bumper sticker, boy, still resides today, sadly. When, when will mankind ever learn? Uh, yep. But... Uh, that's great. I love it. The MGA and uh, your story about uh, driving in the snow with your wife-to-be. What mm -hmm. a great memory. I'm going to crawl into your head and be a little bit of a car psychologist for you today, Albert. If you were manifest as a vehicle, what would you be and why? I would have to say a Jeep slash an early Land Rover. Okay. And, and I'd say because they are not fast, they're not flashy, but they're strong, and uh, they can take you off the beaten path and hopefully bring you back in one piece. Uh, yeah, very nicely said. Well, it's something your book has done, which I think is fantastic. So nicely answered for that question. You know, of course, I always ask my guests for a book recommendation. Uh, we're definitely going to be recommending an accidental PsyOps, PSY Warrior, uh, this book by my guest today, Albert Viator. Uh, I'll make sure I put a link to where you can get the book. Is there anywhere special you would like to direct our listeners to so they can get themselves a copy? Well, yeah, it's available on Amazon.com. And if you go to Amazon and use their search function and, and just type in an accidental Psy Warrior, and as you've said, it's accidental, then in parentheses, PSY, close the parentheses, Warrior, an accidental Psy Warrior. And it's available on Amazon.com. You can also Google my name, I, I've been told, uh, and uh, quite a ways down and the references, you'll, you'll see that, but it's, uh, it, it's available there. And uh, we're kind of excited. We're working toward um, uh, a digital release, an ebook. Oh, being an awesome. Being an old guy, you know, I, I, I like to read books and I like to turn pages and so forth. Yep. But uh, versus, you know, scrolling down. I guess that's what you do on the e-readers and so forth. <laughs> yeah. To coincide with Veterans Day coming up, we're releasing it uh, in a uh, Kindle ebook version. Oh, that's great. You know, Kindle's, Kindle's great for a variety of reasons. Uh, my next-door neighbor who has said the same thing, he was just talking to me yesterday. He goes, you know, I've always liked the smell of paper and turning the pages, but I've really gotten into Kindle books. And one of the many unique things you can do, and my wife devours books, she's mm -hmm. always on her Kindle, always listening to audiobooks. I mean, never ending, is that it can start to register how fast you're reading. So you can click on it and say, how long till I get to the end of the book or the next chapter? And it'll tell you. Oh, well, yeah, it has oh. a timing device built in as per you going through the pages. So if you go, well, I've got another 15 minutes here. Can I get to the end of this chapter? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And you can also tap on words if you don't know what a word means. Uh, like, what does PSY stand for? And yeah. uh, it'll give you a, a, a um, 
definition of that word. So it, Kindle, you know, I think more and more people are getting used to this. And there's a little uh, secret that I've shared with my listeners is if you love books, you can get a library card and your library will send you digitally to your Kindle books mm. that you mm. request. So uh, if you maybe can't afford books or you want to find books or you can't get to books uh, to a library or whatever it might be, uh, you can access them that way. So uh, I'm glad to hear that you're that you're doing that. Uh, no doubt more and more people that way can enjoy this wonderful book and accidental PSY warrior. <laughs> Most definitely. I'm going to take you on what I call the ultimate drive here, Albert. This is kind of fun. Uh, you get to pick any car in the world that you're in and driving, any person you're with and any place you might be going. So what does that ultimate drive look like for you? Okay. Well, the, any older British roadster would be my car choice. Okay. I, I wouldn't mind an E-type. Yeah. Uh, and again, not just that I'm just saying the same thing repeatedly, but I'd have to say my best friend, partner, and co-enthusiast for British cars, I'd like to have Lucinda, my wife, along with me. Yep. She's always enjoyed our car. We, we have a MGB now, and we always go for rides in Squeaky. Around <laughs> Squeaky. I love it. <laughs> yeah. well, you know why? You call it an old British car. Squeaky. Of course. Yeah. Uh, as far as the uh, ultimate... Uh, Road, uh, I wouldn't pick. I mean, we've been together on the Pacific Coast Highway. We've been together in the desert. And we've been together in cars uh, all up and down the East Coast and Florida and so on. But uh, I, I wouldn't try to pick a specific one. I'd like it more relaxing. I wouldn't pick the tail of the dragon, for instance. And I wouldn't I wouldn't pick, uh, uh, you know, um, the, uh, what's it, the Stelvio Pass in, in oh. Europe. <laughs> yeah. I'd like it to be somewhat interesting, uh, ocean, mountains, but relaxing touring drive rather than uh, a performance drive. I'd, I'd do that with Rick Neville and, and some of those. <laughs> yeah, my wife doesn't care for those either. <laughs> She's always always holding onto the door and putting her foot on the floor saying, slow down. This isn't yeah. much fun. I don't blame her. I don't like being a passenger. If, if Rick does tune in on this when it comes, and I'm going to make sure he does, yes. I have ridden with, with uh, Rick and... Uh, he drives a V8 Austin Healey. Yes. And I haven't ridden in that, but I have ridden in one that we were selling uh, for, for a friend who passed away, and I was shooting video of it and while he was at the wheel. And uh, I, had, uh, I wished I'd had a third arm and hand. One would be to hold on to the door jam as well as <laughs> I was using to brace myself on the transmission tunnel, and one to shoot with the camera. Yeah, be careful out there, Rick. Well, another thank you to Rick for connecting us today, Albert. I have so many great friends and guests who connect me with wonderful people like you, so I'm very grateful for Rick. Uh, maybe someday I can go for a ride with him in a V8. Maybe not. We'll see. <laughs> but sounds like sounds like fun. Before I let you go today, Albert, could you maybe share some final parting words of wisdom, advice, a mantra, a success quote, something that has meaning for you? I'd have to say, um, don't be afraid to jump in at the deep end. Be prepared, as be as prepared as you can be. I don't mean being blindly ignorant of what's out there and just say, I'll figure it out along the way. Mm -hmm. yeah. Probably worked for a lot of people. But uh, I, I jumped in at the deep end when I made my uh, transition from working for other people into being a freelancer and spent my whole career as a freelancer uh, figuring out things. But uh, I wasn't afraid to do it, uh, but I always worked hard at it. I'm not trying to pump myself up, but I was 
never I would suggest to people never be afraid to to work as hard as you can work and work beyond what you think is hard. There's no free riding. Uh, I would often shoot an assignment during the daytime and then at night because I have carpentry skills, I'd work on in the set shop at a particular station building sets for the talk shows and then shoot the next day. Don't be afraid to jump in at the deep end. Don't be afraid to work hard, but be as prepared as you can be to, so that you're not uh, making believe to anybody. Absolutely. Wonderful thoughts. Uh, what are some ways people can keep up to you? Do you have a website? Do you play in the social media world? Yeah, not a great deal. My email, I don't mind sharing my email because I share it with my newfound veterans friends. Uh, but uh, it's, you can imagine, it's performance video, one word, lowercase, performance video, the number three at gmail.com. There we go. I'll make sure I put that along with a link to get your hands on this book. It's a great read. You're going to enjoy it. You add it to your automotive library shelf and uh, it'll, I think, give you a lot of inspiration and some wonderful stories and tie this incredible life that Albert has had for all of you listeners. Albert, thanks for being so generous today with your time and expertise and for sharing your experience with our listeners in writing this uh, really wonderful book. Until you and I talk again, I'll see you down the road. Thank you, Mark. My pleasure entirely. Thank you. You're welcome. This was great. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah. Yeah.